I'm Shelby. And I'm Jenny. And this is Chubra Book Club. Jenny, why did we start this podcast? Well, Shelby, you moved, and it was tragic for me. And I decided, you know what we should do to keep in touch? We should form a book club. And then I did something that I do a lot, which is say an idea that I don't, like, have a lot of follow-through on. And you did something you do a lot, which is take the ideas I say and make them actually have (laughs) follow-through. And I said, we should start a podcast. And you said, we should start a podcast. And now here we are. Here we are. Yeah, so we had originally thought to read a book a month and then like have a phone call to discuss it, and we decided to record those conversations and give them some direction. How did we land on this whole embodiment thing? You know, I think the embodiment thing happened because of the name, which once again was a case of me saying something I thought was funny and it being taken seriously, and then it went spiraling out from there. But I'm happy with where it is now. Um, So... The idea of, I said Chub Red Book Club because it rhymed um, and because I am a lady with thick thighs. For all the haters out there who uh, want to contest the meaning of chub rub, Urban Dictionary defines chub rub as the rubbing and chafing of chubby thighs against one another during long walks or duration of activity. Ooh. So. Undisclosed activity. scandalous you know once we started thinking about it more seriously we started thinking about like the themes of embodiment and what it means to live all your life in this one body and the markers that are put on it and the markers that are put on it by other people and we started kind of taking the, the, the idea seriously um I think that's where it came from. Do you remember it differently? No, that's how I remember it. I mean, I think, too, like, you and I are the kind of people that can, like, talk for hours around, like, the smallest little things and books. And so to, like, recognize a theme like this that isn't often addressed, um, I think, is important to us. Like, as as people who... um are really sort of conscious of our own bodies and the bodies around us. Uh-huh. Uh, exploring the ways that bodies are also like talked about and written about in literature uh, is at least interesting to me. I would agree. It's also interesting to me. So, yeah. Do you want to... Tell our listeners a little bit about us. Yeah, I'd love to. Why don't Do you, you... want to start? Okay. Do you want me to start? I'll start. I, I can start. Okay. My name is Shelby. I'm currently living in Akron, Ohio. Uh, just moved here somewhat recently from Atlanta, where Jenny and I were in school together. Uh, we just graduated. Woot woot. Woot woot. Um, I am a white cisgender woman um i'm married to a cisgender man but i'm pansexual middle class uh, master's level education living with chronic illness um 
that's just a little bit about my social location. I think it's important to identify who we are as we start exploring these topics because some of the topics that we're going to be talking about uh, related to embodiment uh, are not our own experiences. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think I think it's important to know where you are in order to be able to see the world around you in clear ways and in order to have honest conversations with people. Um, I'm Jenny, and I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I recently moved there from Atlanta, where I was in school with Shelby, and I am unmarried. I I feel like this is important. Full disclosure, I've never been in a relationship, so I don't know what's going on. Um, I am white, cisgender, and uh, upper middle class family, and come from, yeah, I, I really, it was really during grad school that my eyes were open to a lot of the issues that we're going to get into, but I think literature is such an important place to begin those conversations and especially young adult literature you know I think about the issues that I care about now and so many of those seeds were planted by stories Mm -hmm. and to think about what it means to have those stories and to actually take them seriously is so important um not to derail us but I had a professor in college actually who was not a literature professor she taught something completely different, and she also had written a book about taking, about the themes of Twilight and taking it seriously, and I remember, I, I was kind of close to her, and she gave me a copy of it, and I remember just thinking, like, man, you're not a literature professor, but, like, you take this stuff seriously, and what does it mean to not just dismiss the things that young people are into, especially in the case of Twilight, young, primarily young women but what does it mean to take these kind of stories seriously and ask the questions of them yeah I don't know (laughs) I kind of went off on a tangent no but I mean you're so right I I, um because of Suzanne Collins releasing the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes I think it's called the prequel to the Hunger Games series I've been re-listening to the audiobooks of the Hunger Games series. I'm on the second one now. This is my second time this year <laughs> rereading this series. I Lord. read it probably at least once a year because I'm nerdy in that way. And I don't know, like familiar books give me just like a feeling of comfort and uh, familiarity. Yes, familiarity. There you go. And I like cannot help but read books through this like embodiment lens anymore Uh like it just it comes up everywhere because it it is the reality of uh, an embodied life I agree I had the same experience I reread my childhood favorite book Um, I say childhood you know early adolescence whatever and I when I reread it I was just shocked what happened when I was reading it through an embodiment lens like the the fat shaming like was kind of out of control and how I had never seen that but I know that I internalized it um because it was my favorite book I've read it so many times and I was such a formative age Mm -hmm. and being a fat person myself like 
what messages did I learn about my own body through this book that I is so beloved to me. Hmm. Yeah. Oof. Um, so just a quick disclaimer. Uh, we're hoping to strike a tone here. That's not entirely the heaviest thing in the world. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge goofball, so I will probably be, you know, telling weird stories and um, trying to crack wise. I don't know if it'll work, but um, we're not trying to drag anyone's life down. (laughs) We're trying to take life seriously, but also uh, find joy in life at the same time, because you know what? Complicated emotions exist within complicated beings like humans, and I think we can handle some of both. Ooh, yes. So well said. I totally agree. I am also incredibly silly, and so I hope that that is able to come out uh, in this <laughs> podcast because, Jenny, sometimes our conversations are so weird. To transition, one thing you had mentioned that we might talk about as a, as a place setting or setting the table as a place setting for talking about bodies is Shelby what is one thing that you love and appreciate about your body oh yes I have been thinking about this and I was like am I gonna like you know force myself into some like sort of self-love when I'm really struggling with self-loathing type of thing and it's like you know what that's really complicated uh, yeah. relationships with our bodies are often complicated. I think the first book that we're exploring um, really gets to that well. Uh, so honestly, I'm going to say that one thing that I really love about my body is my taste buds because Ooh. you know what? I love food. I love that I love food. And I just like, I, I think I experience food in a way that not everyone does. Like uh, my spouse Patrick I mean he talks all the time we had fondue the other night for my birthday and I was just like how are you not like obsessed with how this cheese tastes right now he's (laughs) like yeah I just don't think that I like get the same kind of enjoyment from food as you do (laughs) so yeah that's awesome what about you Jen okay I was thinking about this as well And believe it or not, I have three things. Yes, I love that. The first thing, so not not a week ago, I got a little tipsy and texted you about how much I love my hair. And a brief disclaimer, when I say a little tipsy, I have the alcohol tolerance of an anemic chihuahua. So (laughs) I'm talking one drink. And I was sending Shelby texts about how my hair is amazing and anyone would be lucky to have my hair. Um, so, And it's true. It's gorgeous. My curly hair and uh, my legs. I, ha- I'm, I have strong legs. They can take me lots of places. Uh, in high school, I could, I don't know what it's called, leg press? I think it's called leg press. I could leg press more than the linebackers, and I was just like, back up hell Um, yes and my height which is kind of a sidebar to my legs but I'm I'm 5'11 and I have never been insecure about being tall like I'm insecure about a lot of things but for whatever reason like 
I love being tall. Um, I wish I was taller. <laughs> so, uh, not really. I wouldn't change who I am, but maybe I would. I don't know. That's a topic for another day. <laughs> but so, yeah, hair, leg, and height, the trifecta. Yes, so good. And I, I love that you chose three things. Uh, I had a hard time choosing one, which I think says a lot about like where I am with my body right now, especially living with chronic illness feels so crappy so much of the time uh it can be hard so yeah all bodies are good bodies um that's just the phrase that I've been sort of telling myself over and over yeah another thing that we talked about um to sort of set the stage was favorite book of all time um you know it has to be and I mentioned this just a minute ago it has to be a book I've just recently reread, Ella Enchanted, by Gail Carson Levine, um, which is interesting because reading it as a 26-year-old, I have so many questions and concerns about it that I didn't have when I was, you know, 9 through 11 reading it. Mm. Um, but there are still things that I really love about it. Um, it's pretty unapologetic about the idea that that young girls are taught to be obedient and that that is toxic. Um, and we can broaden that conversation and we should because it's not just young girls, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's people in, you know, we could not even just young people. It's people in all sorts of historically, um, minoritized and disenfranchised groups. Um, but, you know, this idea that obedience is especially expected of young women. Um, and it also really deals with this idea that you, it was the first book that taught me that it's okay to not have a good relationship with your parents. Um, and it's not like, it's not like in your face about it, but you know, she like at one point, actively tells her dad she hates him and they never recon they never reconcile and it's just like part of it that she has a really bad relationship with her dad and it doesn't make her a broken person or a bad person it's just that's what her relationship with her dad is um mm. and as somebody who has a pretty broken relationship with my dad that was something to have modeled for me in a book that I loved so dearly was really important. But, again, reading it now, like, so it's a Cinderella retelling, and it's wonderful. Because we but, love the fairy tale retellings. Oh, I, I love it. Um, but her, her, you know, quote-unquote evil stepsisters are, are evil, but they're also both fat. And, hmm. um... There's a moment when she sort of first meets them. They're not her stepsisters yet. And one of her first impressions of them is watching them eat and calling it grotesque because they keep going back for more. Hmm. And, she, and she talks about watching their double chin wiggle and stuff. And I just, I had never thought about myself in that space. But reading it this time, I was just like, I immediately pictured myself in that space and like all the times at parties when I was awkward and like ate because I didn't know what to say and like 
I have a double chin and, you know, what someone else's story about me might be. Mm. Um, you know, even though I, I, you know, hope that I'm a kind person, <laughs> unlike all, unlike Hattie and Olive and El Enchanted, but, um, you know, how, how reading that about myself really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could do an entire ser- I could do an entire podcast on Gail Carson Levine's work because her next her companion book to Ella Enchanted kind of deals with these questions. But taking Ella Enchanted just on its own, um, it's probably my favorite book of all time. But it's not without it's not without its critiques. Yeah, I think that that's important to mention too. That like it is possible to like cherish and enjoy a book that has its problems without Mm -hmm. glorifying those problems or like Mm -hmm. accepting them and telling ourselves that they're okay my favorite book of all time is actually really just the entire series uh of harry potter i was waiting for this yep yep (laughs) i am an avid harry potter fan Uh, my favorite book is the seventh book i have read it Um, probably like just under 20 times at this point. Um, I do an annual rereading of the entire series and I'm trying to get my spouse to read them with me. We're, we've been on the third book for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, Harry Potter isn't without its issues either. I think it's important that we say that we do not support JK Rowling because she is a turf. Um, and among anyone, many other things, among many other things. Um, but yeah, she says some really gross things about trans folks and trans rights. And we're not about that life. No, not at all. Um, we want to make it clear here and now that trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary folks exist and are valid. Um, there is more, there are more than two genders, uh, and we are not here to suffer any nonsense that those things aren't true. Um, it's worth noting that this has been something J.K. Rowling has uh, espoused for a while. This is not new. And it's also worth noting that this is uh, part of a larger trend of bigotry that she has espoused um, for a long time. So we've seen some racism, some sexism, um, even some fat phobia that are really, um, are really inexcusable. And, uh, yeah, we just want to make absolutely clear that we are not supporters of her. Um, but that does get really complicated because, you know, the books played a really big part in our lives. Yeah. So like all of that exists in the same space as my love for the series and honestly, like just the entire universe of Harry Potter. And I'm actually a part of this uh, Facebook group called uh, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text Common Room. And Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is actually another podcast um, that I listen to. And uh, this like common room on Facebook is a place where people can share a bit about like themselves and their experiences. And one of my favorite threads on there um, was talking about Harry Potter and disability And like, you know, even if the books weren't imagined with disability in mind, like what 
what cool things at Hogwarts or like in the wizarding world are, you know, like, like what, what could make the wizarding world more accessible? Like how could, how could we use magic in a way to like just expand accessibility? And I'm picturing, I'm picturing like hovering wheelchairs with like lights Yes. And, like, fairies attached and stuff. Uh, I mean, the comment thread was just amazing. Um, Primarily, like, disabled folks talking about, like, okay, if I was at Hogwarts, this would be, like, a really cool accommodation. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that I said was um, sort of like a room of requirement kind of deal where, like, if during class – you are like exhausted and you need to rest because uh, even non-disabled folks have <laughs> those experiences uh, that you could like go into this sort of room of requirement uh, and time would freeze sort of like a time turner room sort of thing uh, so that you're able to rest without it completely like derailing uh, you know what you're trying to do um, and someone, I love that. someone added to that and was like, okay, but what if we could make it sort of like Hermione's, um, like bottomless bag spell type thing. Uh, a bag of holding. Yes. And it could be like kept, like a room like that could be kept in a small space like that, that you could carry around with you. Um, so that not only during classes and stuff, but like if anywhere you needed that sort of safe space to rest that you could have it I it was just so cool yeah I think there's something really really beautiful um I so this will come up multiple times I'm sure but I'm pretty active on tumblr I won't tell you what it is yet you can find it um and there's been I've been part of some discussions on there to this same kind of conversation it's it's really a larger discussion about death of the author and this idea that you know Hogwarts ceased to belong to J.K. Rowling when she published the books you know like it belongs to every every lonely child and every broken-hearted adult and every, you know it, it it belongs to everyone who ever found a home there hmm. um and so I think there's something like really beautiful and creative and life-giving about saying this about people in the disabled community saying this is our space and what does this space need to look like for us and what should this space look like for us and what what would magic make possible for us and Mm -hmm. really claiming it in that way well and I think too like I've been reading some stuff more recently about like ways that death of the author is sort of like complicated because like her beliefs have like wormed their way into her writing as well and like there are parts of the books that are inherently problematic as well Um, and I think it goes back to what we were saying about like you can love something and it doesn't have to be perfect and like it can have problematic parts and you can love it and wrestle with it at the same time um but yeah, I'm, there's, I mean, there's so much to talk about with regard to death of the author and like whether or not you can separate an author from their work. Uh, it's a little too much to tackle in this podcast episode. 
this is not the last time you will hear the phrase death of the author rest assured yeah yeah and I mean I I hope that we can not only have those sorts of conversations on this podcast but sort of spur those sorts of conversations Uh, I mean anyone who listens I I hope that this sort of opens you up uh, to the possibilities that uh, that books and sort of magical worlds can contain. Uh, we are going to focus mostly on uh, sort of like fantasy, sci-fi, young adult books, um, partially because that's what we're super into. What, what we like to read. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, maybe mostly because that's what we like to read. Um, but also. But also because uh, I think that uh, for – young people to be thinking about these things and the ways that uh that books can really teach us something uh about our world and about ourselves and about people uh who aren't like us too if you want to get in touch with us you can contact us at chubrubbookclub at gmail.com we are also on instagram 